Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, June 7th, 2023. Today on the Ether, the Yumi AMA, hosted by Cosmo Spaces. Let's take a listen. Hey everyone, how's it going? Thanks for, for having us. Hey, what's up? Nothing much. Uh, do you want to invite me to, to co-host? That way, I think you'll get, get more viewers or listeners. Sure, yeah, um, Eric, if you want to bump them. Cool, thank you. I will give it just like another minute and... Oh, I see. Brandon just hopped on. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Hey, guys, how's it going? Busy week, busy week. Yeah, you guys have been uh, just doing nothing but shipping, huh? It's been, uh, I just read your 18-month uh, roadmap here. I guess they dropped it a couple days ago. I must have missed it, but... Yeah, it's been a crazy sort of last... Uh, I mean, this whole year has been pretty crazy. We've been working on a couple of projects and stuff that have been coming out, so like, oh, ho. Um, taboo, and then also we've got another one still uh, under wraps that's going to come out probably in the next few months. So it's been a busy, busy year for us. Cool. It looks like we got everyone, so we'll go ahead and get started. Um, I guess if anyone else from the team uh, joins, they can they can request to speak. But uh, thanks for joining everyone. Uh, Cosmos Spaces hosting uh, Umi just for a little kind of community AMA and chat to see what they've been up to. It's been Geez, a couple months since uh, we've gotten together and, and chatted about all the cool, exciting things that you guys have been building. Um, with us, we have the Umi uh, channel. Who's on the Umi channel? Is that, is that Chris? Hey, it's Daniel. Okay, hey, Dan, nice to meet you. I don't know that I've formally met you. but um, And then we have Waz and Brandon and Riley from Stride. Um, so I guess one of the big things that we, when when they reached out, is that we wanted to kind of talk a little bit uh we have riley here uh the launch of the st umi liquid staking derivative so uh riley i don't know if you had any comments on uh what your experience was like onboarding them how that's been going uh what umi stakers can kind of expect i know typically when you onboard a new uh lsd there's typically a you know an airdrop and and anything like that i don't know if you have any comments yeah um can you hear me okay Loud and clear. Great. Uh, yeah, STUMI is very, very exciting. We worked with the UMI contributors closely to launch it, make sure everything was uh, buttoned up uh, over the last month or so. And it's it's thriving now. I think uh, Brandon and Walls are probably better qualified to speak to the usage of UMI across the ecosystem. Uh, but there's a decent amount of liquidity on both Crescent and I think Osmosis now for the STUMI token. And uh, I believe it'll soon be listed on the UMI money market as well. And there will be an airdrop. Uh, don't think the date has been locked down quite yet, but uh, it's coming. Cool, yeah, a lot of the community questions, there were several around the whole uh, Stride UMI kind of uh, 
relationship now. Um, so obviously, you know, all the other uh, LSDs have gotten airdrops, which you can kind of just go claim from Stride. So it seems like that'll be something that happens in the future. Um, what what do we see as some of the advantages and or disadvantages of staking uh, UMI on Stride? Um, one of the questions was, what opportunities and abilities will I lose in comparison to delegating to a validator? And are there any uh, risks involved? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, we thought a lot about the risks of liquid staking as well as, of course, the the upsides. The upsides are pretty clear at this point. I, I won't belabor them too long, but basically, you get liquidity on your staked asset, so you can participate in DeFi and liquid and staking at the same time. Previously, you would have been only earning the staking yield or only earning the DeFi yield. Now you can earn both, which means that on pools on Osmosis or Crescent. Um, LPers are advantaged if they LP liquid staked pools. And it also means that if you want to collateralize a loan or a stablecoin or an option or a perp with UMI, it's much, much cheaper to do so. And there, there are a ton of use cases emerging around the cosmos. We talk about collateral for Agoric, for Kujiro stablecoin, for Comdex's stablecoin, for uh, options like Lavana and Margin are building. Um, like um, collateral for loans, for example, on UMI or, or other money markets, uh, collateral for vaults, Quasar and DMAX and a number of others are, are building, and, and IBCX. I think uh, STUMI will actually be included in the STIBCX basket. So if you buy an, an index on, on the Cosmos of staked tokens that earn staking rewards, you'll have some exposure to, to UMI as well. Uh, and finally, you can use ST assets for, for restaking. Uh, if you want to stake and then um, increase your risk, but also your reward a little bit, you can do that through Alliance or I, I think Bear Chain's working on something like this as well. So those are all opportunities that um, could be used with, with ST UMI. Uh, and, and it all really depends on how much liquidity is in the ST UMI pool and on Osmosis and Crescent in order to support liquidations for these integrations that, that might be necessary if uh, risk ratios are breached. Awesome. Yeah, I've been slowly, uh, I have some heavy bags of UMI. Obviously, I've been a big supporter and, and fan ever since I discovered it. Um, and so basically, I've been just taking any new staking rewards and you know converting them to the STUMI and then waiting for that sweet, sweet moment when we'll be able to provide it as uh, collateral on UMI. Because uh, kind of, then you kind of get the best of both worlds, right? You can be earning your AP APY on your on your on your asset, but then also you know maybe you can borrow something else and go do something else uh, safely sometimes to, as long as you stay within a good tolerance. Um, speaking of uh, liquidity for uh, the like the ST UMI UMI pair, are there any plans for um, UMI to provide any incentives to kind of I guess make a bump on Osmosis as far as you know how much TVL there is for the pair? Yeah, so we're definitely considering incentives and, and sort of all of that sort of thing. Um, the primary use case of STUMI is obviously going to be uh, as a collateral option on UMI. And so liquidity is going to be a big part of that. Uh, we're exploring a lot of options on that. Uh, and yeah, getting that liquidity up to par in terms of like something like a, I guess a ST Juno would probably be the best example right now. I'm not sure if everyone's kind of followed what we've been doing with like protocol and liquidity and moving over 
some of their treasuries, uh, Juno, into the ST Juno pool on Osmosis so that we can support it as a collateral. We'll probably do something very similar uh, with UMI, uh, whether it's through incentives or just through protocol-owned liquidity is kind of like the options we're running through right now. Awesome. Um, another one of the questions that came through was, um, how does liquid staking on UMI and Stride's liquid staking token affect the governance of their respective projects? Good question. Um, sorry, is someone going to jump in and take that? I saw someone unmute. Uh, no, if you want to take it, it's more about like how does Stride work with governance for our side? There's not really any sort of integration. I mean, we've explored, we've kind of run through the thought process of like, can we make collateral options still be able to vote? That's kind of uh, further down the line though. But in terms of like the general liquid staking derivatives, there's no like voting power yet, but I think that's something Stride has down the pipeline. Is, is that correct, Riley? Yeah, that's right. Currently, if you liquid stake, you forfeit your right to vote, but uh, we're building some tech that will allow you to vote and should be shipping in the next three to six months if everything goes according to um, plans laid out by, by Stride Governance. Cool, yeah, that's 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 pretty interesting because right now you're kind of at the mercy of, you know, wherever the, like if I, so if I go stake, if I liquid stake UMI, now I'm at the mercy of whoever the, I guess the Stride approved UMI validators are is that correct and then however they vote obviously whereas now if i just had straight umi if, if my validator voted on something that you know maybe i didn't agree with or i just thought differently on or you know didn't care about and wanted to abstain i could override that whereas so you're saying that in the future my amount of st asset will be able to actually override whatever the um the validator vote is yeah, totally. Basically, you'll be able to lock up your ST UMI, whether it's on the Stride blockchain or in a AMM pool or in a DeFi position. And once it's locked up for the duration of the unbonding period, then you can cast a vote. And that vote will be transmitted using IBC over to the UMI blockchain. And it'll be pooled in with all the other votes and tallied up when it uh, comes time to uh, decide on that governance outcome. Man, that's pretty. That's pretty insane. If the, when when that'll that that comes, that's uh, that seems pretty pretty cool. Because that's like one of the the I guess if you had to put a tick in a negative column for LSD, like you do kind of in in a way, you know, potentially give up your your right of of voting uh, if that's something that you know obviously matters to you. Um, me personally, I'm more of a just a, hey, give me the the access to the liquidity. So I think it, a lot of it depends on like what your personal goals are. Um, let's see what else we got. Uh, so this is an interesting one. So, and and I've recently moved my some of my ST Luna over to um, uh, Carbon because uh, they they've now I guess are participating in the the alliance. But I guess since these liquid staking wars have kind of begun between you know we have alliance, interchain security, and mesh security, um, has Umi been considering uh, you know these three options and which would be best or are they leaning you know in a particular way when it comes to kind of trying to make a choice for uh where we're headed with with one of these yeah absolutely um we've been meeting with a lot of these teams that are associated we've talked to the alliance folks we've talked to the mesh folks uh particularly on the osmosis side and we've also i've been having some conversations with thyborg about joining the az and so we are pretty 
Umi's approach is trying to be as chain agnostic as possible. Um, we, while we want to like support, like obviously we need to get Umi to the biggest audience as possible, and we want to make Umi as successful as possible. But we want to avoid sort of the tribalism that a lot of uh, the ecosystem kind of devolves into. Uh, you see it a lot with even like the Kujira stuff going on with like Jacob right now, and you see a lot of infighting, and it's it's not necessarily productive. Each side has very valiant, uh, very valiant points, and everyone's making great points. But at the end of the day, someone has to come come to the forefront and just say, let's let's push forward, let's keep this narrative going, let's make Cosmos DeFi successful. Ultimately, that's what we're trying to do. We want to encourage all of the ecosystem to you know prosper and so if i could drop a little alpha on this show right now um yeah through my conversations with thyborg i think the first step that we're going to take in terms of interchain security is joining the aez uh, we're starting the process right now to actually start um accumulating all the information that we need to make a pitch to the cosmos hub uh, we want to make sure that we're driving value and obviously that's going to be paired with a big push for umi 2.0 which is our tokenomics revamp uh, and basically an, an effort to drive value from Umi's TVL to our token. Awesome. Wow. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a lot to take in. Um, very cool. Um, I think that kind of leads pretty well into the next question, which was uh, what does Cosmosm integration uh, that, that was mentioned in Prop 82 mean for Umi and the ecosystem? And this, this will kind of allow you know, a lot of the things that you're talking about, I think with ICS to kind of come true, right? This is almost like a precursor to that. Yeah, absolutely. We have some press uh, information coming out through PR um, later, I think in the next couple of weeks about this. So you'll have more information there, but obviously everything that you can see with um, other ecosystems when they adopt smart contracts, um, you, you just have a, a whole plethora of opportunities to grow on top of those money markets. So Think of things like, um, if you think about like Terra, I think is a, the best example of how you had Anchor Protocol, which was really the primary driver. I know it was the stablecoin chain, but really Anchor was the engine behind all of that growth. And so if you looked at all the different protocols that were built on top of Anchor, you had things like Nexus that front ran, um, front ran their Oracle so that you could have maximum leverage, but with safety features so that you never get liquidated. You had things like uh, Pylon and, and all these other uh, protocols on Terra that kind of used either liquidity from other sources um, like Anchor or from like uh, the the DEXs on Terra. And they would build on top of them using that liquidity as, as sort of a baseline, but then bringing all these other fun functionalities that maybe the base protocol didn't have. That's what you're going to see with UMI. So we'd love to get things like uh, I mentioned White Whale. Um, their decks on top of Umi would be awesome. Uh, even something like Kujira's Orca protocol would be cool as well. Like having Orca manage liquidations that could draw, and it's really a path to interlocking uh, chains with each other. Like we talk about, you brought up Alliance, for example, or Mesh, and the whole conversation is about forming these economic alliances. That's cool, but it's even better to just get their products on your chain and start actually driving value. I mean, if we could do Orca liquidations on UMI, that would bring so much value to the Kuji token, and it would bring value to the UMI ecosystem as well. So those are the kinds of things that this is going to unlock. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some requests out um, from UMI to you know kind of how to help 
I guess, build a, a liquidation kind of protocol? Ha- has the team interfaced with the Kuji guys at all to kind of see if we can make that happen? Or what? what is, is there a status on that? Or is that something more that needs to be kind of flushed out? Not necessarily. We've had a Twitter space with Kujira. We have a Slack channel and everything. And communication's always been pretty pleasant between us. And obviously, I'm a big supporter of Kujira. Um, full disclosure, I hold Kuji. Like, we're not maximalists by any means of anything. So want to support them, uh, want to support, you know, all of the ecosystem, really. Um, there's a lot of cool features out there that aren't getting the buzz that they should. Uh, liquid staking, obviously, it, it's blowing up on its own, uh, in, 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 in its own organic manner. But I do feel like there's almost like parts of Cosmos that are sort of against liquid staking in a sense. I think we've all kind of seen that attitude. And so our philosophy is let's just let's just support let's build functionality that either if there's issues with something let's mitigate those risks but let's keep moving forward and that's that's exactly what we want to do cool yeah i when you when you mentioned uh you mentioned nexus protocol once uh cosmosm integrated we'll have to we'll have to pull uh tundra out of retirement to to set set up nexus somewhere uh in the cosmos again because that was like that was probably one of my one of my top protocols on terra that i that i was pretty pretty heavily into um it, it essentially kind of just monitors your ltv and made sure you know kind of maximized uh any yield that you would be able to make because it would kind of thread that needle of liquidation price and as the price of the assets moved it would kind of like auto shuffle everything and keep everyone uh keep everyone safe so it was a i haven't really seen anything else similar to that out in uh the ecosystem since uh you know obviously the collapse but uh, yeah, I think that's something that would be be pretty pretty dope. And I know he's still active on Twitter, but I think he's kind of, you know, stepped away from the cosmos for for a bit. I don't know if, if any of you guys were close with him at all. Yeah, I used I used Nexus a lot. I wasn't really close to him, but um, I would love to work with him if he's out there somewhere. If he wants to join, um, definitely have him hit us up. But I think this is a great place to transition to Waz though, because. Really, the way I see OHO going, like OHO is obviously the Oracle first, but you could build a lot of dApps on top of OHO in a sense that kind of automatically is powered by that Oracle in a, in a way that you can kind of front run the Oracle in a sense too. So a thing like Nexus built on OHO probably makes the most sense in my sort of mental model. But I think that's a, a big part of what's missing from the OHO narrative is that you know, having a chain that is the the canonical oracle of so many protocols, you can use that chain to then build either apps on top of it or rollups on on the side, like almost has like a side chain of OHO that uses that data and pl- proliferates throughout the entire ecosystem. Was did you want to speak to that? Yeah, this is uh, this is something we've been thinking about and talking about internally for quite some time. Um, is a uh, is is sort of using our ability as, as the oracle. Of, of the interchain to kind of front run, but we, we want to do a uh, protocol owned front running essentially. So in order to make the Oracle more secure, what we want to build on top of OHO is dApps that'll communicate cross chain with uh, other chains like Juno, Secret Network, and um, sort of see when uh, different positions will change based off of those price feeds and then uh, execute liquidations early and then return funds to the uh, host protocol itself. It's, it's sort of one of the, these things that we've been sketching out for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, because we're sort of in the position where we have all of this pricing data before anyone else, 
we want to do it very responsibly and uh, and make sure that that customers and, and clients of OHO can uh, can receive some benefit of that. So, I mean, that's just one of the facets that we see uh, building on top of this this uh, Oracle chain that we're building out right now. It's it's pretty exciting. Cool. Yeah. So with OHO, so let's let's kind of like some people that might not might not know that are listening, like what an Oracle is. Um, would you mind doing like the ELI five version of so what what is OHO and how is it going to benefit like the average user? What is what does it do for them? Yeah, so um, so there's a there's a basic problem in blockchain called the Oracle problem. Essentially, uh, distributed systems like Cosmos have a very difficult time agreeing on information that's outside of blockchains. Right. Blockchains are typically very good at um, a few things, you know, uh, transactions and ledgers and determinism are, you know, one of them. But but storing data and uh, de deterministically figuring out uh, information about the outer world, they're not very good at doing that. So OHO is an oracle chain, which means it it uh, decides on the accurate information of all of this external data, and then we, we relay that information over to customers. So specifically, we're starting out with pricing information um, and how it affects everybody in Cosmos right now. Um, I mean, I, I think one of the best examples is liquid staking derivatives with, with Stride, right? Because of how we're building OHO, we're building it sort of from the Cosmos ground up. We're building out price feeds for liquid staking derivatives faster than any other Oracle in the ecosystem. So when your favorite network wants to onboard OHO, it means that you can uh, do different things with these liquid staking derivatives that you weren't able to before. And that's what we've seen on UMI. We've seen the adoption of SD Atom, of SD Osmo go way out of whack and go crazy. And we want uh, liquid staking derivatives and new stable coins to be able to be used in all of these new DeFi primitives that are coming up. So. Our, our mission is really to take these frameworks that teams are building and then sort of supercharge them with uh, this price feed information that'll allow them to uh, to let you use whatever tokens you want with the, your favorite protocol. Cool. And then so are, the, are these values like are they taken from, you know, uh, some of the DEXs within the ecosystem? Are they taken from some external sources like where what like on, like let's just take an asset like. Atom or even ST Atom, like where where would we be seeing some of the feeds come from, and how, what kind of protections are in place that you know I I think to to kind of prevent like you know sometimes you'll go on Coin Gecko or something and you'll see that oh my God this token is worth a penny for like an hour or something like that when we know that that's like obviously not the case. Yeah, yeah. So we we take our data kind of from as many places as possible from these sort of first order uh, trading places. So there, there's kind of different levels of data that's uh, very raw versus very aggregated. Um, raw data is stuff like, uh, you know, uh, Coinbase trading, osmosis trading, and then sort of aggregated data you might see on CoinGecko, uh, where they have a bunch of different sources. So we take all of the, the raw data as much as we can about any given token, um, we've got, I think we support uh, 12 different providers right now. We support uh, all the main exchanges. We support Coinbase and MEXC and OKX and all those, um, you know, centralized exchanges. 
but we're also building out tooling for these Cosmos specific assets. So right now we already have uh, indexers for Osmosis. Uh, we have one for Crescent that just came out and launched on UMI. Um, we're building out one for Kujira right now for uh, their fin. And so um, we're, we're really building out Cosmos first. And the reason we're doing that is because without building data providers for these uh, DEXs that are within Cosmos, you can't really have trading information for new liquid staking derivatives and stable coins that are coming up. Um, but, but we can have that pricing information within the first uh, few days of liquidity coming into these pools and people trading them, which is super exciting. So uh, we take all this all this crazy uh, raw data from the ecosystem. We sanitize it. We have a bunch of protections in place. Stuff from you know providers getting hacked to trading going out of whack to uh, people having to you know take a very trying to take a very small amount of volume to change the pricing information. We've got a we've got this very intelligent smart oracle which allows uh, customers to tell the the uh, standard deviation around the median of prices. So uh, really, we're, we're this sort of all-encompassing uh, Oracle pricing solution right now. Um, we're, we're very intelligent. We're very proud to be Cosmos first. Awesome. Yeah, that, that was, that's great. Um, I, think, I think what really kind of opened my, my eyes to the whole Oracle thing, and I think even Umi's reaction to it was, was very quick, was I believe it was maybe like last year, maybe like eight, nine months ago uh, on Solana, there was a, a money market that was that was attacked, uh, I think, using the, their own token. Uh, basically, they they were able to manipulate the price of their collateral asset and they were able to, you know, essentially withdraw a whole bunch of stuff that they probably shouldn't have been able to do. And so I believe I believe you guys like had a had a prop up like within the week, like to kind of ensure that those i think you immediately like delisted umi as like a viable collateral against other assets and and did all this other stuff but now you're saying that something like this oracle being a serviceable feature throughout the cosmos will help kind of prevent issues like that is that is that accurate yeah absolutely so we built this this smart oracle uh, technology for the umi blockchain initially um, so when people lever up positions, we can pretty much tell whether or not the market is being artificially manipulated, um, especially with these very low liquidity assets. Mango markets that, that hack you're talking about um, happened because it was a very low liquidity asset and they were taking a simple TVWAP of the last three minutes and applying that to uh, their, their leverage and collateral positions. So be because of the smart oracle that we're, by the way, not just relaying to UMI, this is um, also live on Juno right now, talking about our, our announcement that we had yesterday. The, this smart oracle, we're, we're deploying this everywhere. So even protocols like Mars could take this, uh, the, these medians, these historical medians, with the smart oracle and limit collateralized positions in the same way and then be able to list more assets so we're really not uh we we don't want to sort of gatekeep this tech for just umi we want everybody in the cosmos to be able to use it because we built for the the sort of lowest common denominator the the safest possible case that we could and uh we spent a lot of time on that we spent a lot of resources on that and we just sort of want to share it with the rest of the ecosystem. You know, rising tide floats all boats. Awesome. Um, 
speaking of, uh, I know you mentioned um, you're talking about like the UMI token. I know in one of the recent posts that you had, I think it was the the roadmap for what are we on 2023 20, and beyond next 18 months. Uh, there was a mention of some ME tokens. Um, I don't know if anyone is at liberty to speak more about that. That was one of the questions that came in um, on the on the roadmap. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, would love to talk about them. So that's what we call the meat tokens. Um, it stands for multivariate elastic tokens. Uh, multivariate meaning they're built up of they're basically packaged assets of many different. Uh, they're bundled essentially of many different assets, and then elastic meaning that they basically conform to supply as as demand increases or or the supply co- conforms to demand as it increases or decreases. And that's kind of a long winded way of saying these are basically bundled assets. Um, we can you can it's a generalized platform where you can build any sort of bundle that you'd want. And the reason we're building this is because of diversification of risk and um, just empowering the ecosystem to grow. So when when the Terra crash happened, we kind of sat down and we went through what every sort of crypto company did, where we asked ourselves, you know, how can we build the next best stable coin? And through that process, we figured out, you know, it, it's very easy to build a stable coin. It's not it's not easy to get the market share and to build like safety measures, but just building a generic stable coin is pretty simple, um, especially when you have open source technology that you can use as a mirror. And so what the thought process shifted to was, okay, well, if it's if we're viewing it and we have this opinion, that means a lot of people are going to start building stable coins. And we need to prepare to support that and also to bring it into the UMI ecosystem as collateral options. And that's exactly what's kind of happened. You've seen Comdex with CMST, Kujira's USK, uh, IST, uh, Membrane's been working on BitDollar, it seems like, with uh, Osmosis, which is more of like a Rye-type stablecoin, like a flat coin. And you have all of these different options. You also have, outside of Cosmos, all of the Ethereum protocols. Aave's building a stablecoin. Curve has their own stablecoin. It's just proliferating everywhere. And so that thesis has played out, and that's where the me tokens are going to come into play. So the the essential use case of V1 of the me tokens will be MeUSD. This will be an aggregation of all of the native stable coins in Cosmos, um, aggregated into one index to basically spread the risk associated with any individual one, um, and then create a bundle out of that that's managed by a DAO. So at any point, anyone can change the proportions of what this will look like and um, can change, can add an asset, subtract an asset. And what this will do is we'll be able to, by kind of quantifying the risk and, and spreading it through a portfolio, we can allow a higher LTV on that, on that index, and we can allow you know, specific benefits to that. And that's where we see a lot of, a lot of benefit to the user coming in, because diversifying the risk is one thing. Being able to support all of the Cosmos native stablecoins is another thing. When you talk about like Noble bringing native USDC into the ecosystem, we think that's going to be a huge boon to um, to all of the stablecoins' liquidity. We think everything's uh, there's about to be an explosion uh, when you talk about minting the the safety that comes from that from not needing a bridge token um, to mint those as well. I think everything's going to increase, and that's what we're being we're preparing for. So the MeUSD is the first use case to diversify risk and, and encourage the adoption of all native stablecoins in Cosmos. The second use case, particularly for Stride, 
is the me LSD. And so what that is, is basically a aggregate of all different stable, uh, all, all different uh, liquid staking derivatives of the cosmos aggregated into one platform so that we can diversify across those as well. So for the me atom, for example, you could have ST atom as say 50% of the pool since it is the largest one, but you can uh, encourage diversity and a little bit more decentralization by having 25% BQ atom from Quicksilver and 25% being SDK atom from, uh, from persistence. On top of that, we can automate a levered staking um, strategy within that me token so that part of that part of the underlying collateral is used to borrow atom on umi and loop that and so the me atom can actually deliver you know about 50 percent more apy than just using any individual liquid staking token and so we think this is going to one encourage a diversification in liquid staking providers is going to be a help to quicksilver and all of the other sort of smaller liquid staking providers out there to help them out. But it's also going to be a, a, an encouragement of stride because if we're diversifying risk and we can kind of what was said with a rising tide raising all ships, if we can encourage more and more of li liquid staking to be adopted through this with a higher LTV, for example, since we're spreading risk, that's something that we want to encourage as well. So it's about adoption for all of these protocols to get uh, as a benefit. But it's also for the users to diversify and get into other portfolios and raise their APYs ultimately. So that's that's kind of the gist of what that is. Yeah, that sounds really freaking cool. Um, I, I think the first thing that came to my mind was is that you're just by by you know maybe having a basket of let's just say liquid staked atom in your example, you know the normal uh, liquidation threshold on that might be you know, maybe 65%, right? Whereas, you know, some of these larger uh, markets might be upwards of, you know, 80%. And so by, by, I guess, spreading the risk around, you're able to probably make your, your strategy or whatever a little bit more capital efficient because now instead of my ST atom being, you know, 65%, I'm at 80%. So you're, you're able to kind of squeeze out more APYs, that kind of, what you're saying yeah it's kind of two sides of that i mean diversifying risk is one thing like obviously we 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 believe in all of these protocols otherwise we wouldn't support them we've reviewed the code we we admire the work that they're doing and we've it, it's sort of like risk rating in a sense like if you if you take like a like a in, in traditional finance with bonds right you'll have triple a rated bonds double a rated a rated and then you have b c's all, all and all across the uh the spectrum that's kind of what we're doing here. So Stride is obviously the AAA of liquid staking and, and Cosmos. We want to support them as much as possible. They'll be the largest part of all of our baskets. Um, and obviously they have like, what, 80 to 90% of the market right now. So they have to be the largest. The people have spoken, the markets have spoken. They have to be. Um, we're not going to give favoritism to anyone. But obviously if the market dictates someone is the winner, they have to be the winner. If We, we have to be for the people. And so... That's exactly what we're doing. If Stride is like the AAA rated um, liquid staking provider, 50 to 60% of the, of the index would be them. And then say Quicksilver is like a AA rated just because it hasn't had the adoption or the battle testing that um, Stride has, they can be 25%. And this is all going to go through a very decentralized process. There's going to be a lot of Commonwealth threads on, you know, this one should be bigger, this one should be bigger, um, this one should be less. 
And that's going to be part of the fun of this, because if you if you kind of go back to like the curve wars on Ethereum, um, this is going to be the very, very similar thing. But it's going to be a lot more different providers and a lot of very strong providers as well. I mean, liquid staking providers in the ecosystem are, are pretty, pretty uh, great in terms of their teams, really a lot of talent associated with them. And so I'm just really excited to see, you know, them all kind of grow, but also compete in different ways and offer different cool functionalities. Yeah, I've, I've recently been exploring um, Shade's new uh, stablecoin, Silk, and it seems like they have a similar, I mean, I know it's a basket of assets, so not all the same thing, but, you know, they have a makeup of, you know, this part is half, 30% is the US dollar, 10% is the yen, there's some Bitcoin in there. And so it kind of sounds like that. And they were, I think, in a space last week discussing that, you know, there's levers that they can pull to, you know, let's just say, uh, you know, they come out and they say, hey, you know, the liquid or this asset is no longer, you know, canon in the United States, right? Like they can, you know, have a proposal to remove that particular asset from the thing and make it, you know, quote unquote compliant. Um, so that's kind of sounds to me a little bit like the whole silk thing with like a basket and, you know, different weights that are controlled by, by people. Yeah, 100%. If you wanted a good mental model of how this will work, uh, GMX's GLP token is is kind of an inspiration to the design. Doesn't work exactly the same, but just keeping things in like a single sided liquidity vault and then having like an oracle based swap between them is is sort of how the index works. I should stop saying index. It's more it's really a package asset because it's not really an index, but um it, or bundle is maybe a better word. But yeah, Silk will definitely be part of it, and that's kind of the cool aspect of the me token is that you know. The Mi token is a, a conglomerate of all its underlying assets, but because it's a conglomerate of stable coins, it's also like you're getting exposure to all of those underlying tokens as well. So like Silk being made up of different things is definitely going to be part of the sort of risk parameterization of the Mi token as well. Because like, I think a common criticism right now is that a lot of Cosmos stable coins traditionally have been sort of wrapped versions of uh, bridged axelar uh, USDC. And so that, as it's becoming more sophisticated, as SD Atom becomes more and more of that collateral, you're going to see more and more of a shift towards like these different diversified collateral options. And so we're going to be risk rating those tokens on the, on that as well. Like say we bring native USDC as part of the MeUSD, we don't want to necessarily um, have a token that's 50% me, uh, 50% native USDC um, outright, and then 50% of stable coins that are just basically wrapped versions of that. We want to prioritize sort of that diversified portfolio. And I think like something like Kujiro's USK is a great example of that. They have SC Atom collateral. They have all these different things. I think they have like Paxos Gold in there. Um, com, uh, or sorry, uh, like Silk is another great example of using Forex for part of that. And so these are the things we want to support, and that's all going to be part of that package. Very cool. Yeah, I, I was I, I saw the ME token and I got I got a little excited myself. So it's definitely something worth the. Uh, can't wait to hear hear more about it and when it when it launches. Um, sticking around with the tokens, uh, I guess there someone else had a question that there were some rumors about new tokenomics and deflation for the UMI token. Is there anything that you would wish to share on this topic? Yeah, absolutely. As part of um you know, this application process of joining the Adam Economic Zone, 
you definitely have to bring value to the um, to the Cosmos Hub as well, which is perfectly understandable. And so this is kind of all, it's interesting how it's kind of, it's almost a coincidence, um, but a benefit to us that this is all coinciding at the same time. But we've been working on UMI 2.0 for the better part of this year. Um, our, our primary focus, first and foremost, has been the product and the user experience, just making sure we have the best lending experience in the ecosystem. And I think the numbers have shown that that's largely true. I mean, we're at $15 million in supplied assets at on UMI. We have the highest uh, borrowing amount in all of the ecosystem, um, more so than Mars and, and some of the other ones. We have the highest TVL of any lending system in, in the ecosystem, unless you count Kava, but most people don't factor Kava into their uh, Cosmos stats. And so we've, we're really proud of the achievements we've been able to reach, especially because we haven't incentivized anything, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, obviously, Mars was huge at first because of those beautiful uh, liquidity farming opportunities. Um, I know I looped in day one, and I saw a lot of folks on Twitter talking about looping in. But those incentives come with a price. And that was not a price that we thought was worth paying. We wanted to see what naturally happens. Where is the organic growth coming from? And it's been awesome, man. We've had a lot of people reach out to us um, organically just saying like, hey, I want to join. I have, I have X amount of capital. Can you help me show me how this works? And we're really taking a, gra a grassroots sort of bottom-up approach to growing. And now that, that we've seen sort of that initial product market fit, start to come into place. We've seen the levered staking um, solution kind of taking off. We've seen an anchored staking strategy start to take off as well, which we can get into. But now that that's over, we want to shift focus into bringing value from that TVL and that growth back to the token holder so that our token can experience some of the growth that um, some of the real yield protocols like Kuji and obviously Stride have benefited from as well. And so that's exactly the focus. The focus is on real yield, um, going a little bit more of in a deflationary aspect and a host of other mechanisms to incentivize UMI, uh, essentially, so that the UMI token and TVL grow in lockstep uh, rather than TVL growing and then the token dumping, essentially. So that's one of the major focuses of the tokenomics, uh, the UMI 2.0 feature. And there will be a lot more information on that. Um, I can't really go into any of the specifics on, on what we're doing there. But there will be a lot of press around that and a lot of cool information. I think it's going to be a, a, a huge hit. Yeah, it's awesome. I think the last time we talked, I think TVL, uh, this was probably around like December of last year. I think TVL was like three, 3 million just to kind of put things ex into perspective of what the growth has been like. And, and I'm looking at it right now. It's where about 14 million uh, provided to about four and a half million uh, being borrowed. So that's that's pretty insane if you think considering the the market conditions that we've been in um i think the assets went from you know there was five markets back in december you're at 20 now and then i think adding all of these st assets as collateral has just made you can see like i'm sure it's a correlation that every time an st asset gets added people people load up i think Ad st atom is like maybe the second most provided collateral because people want people want their staking rewards and they also want to be able to you know, do things with the what with what that uh, value provides for them. Uh, just as like a you know a personal note, I've had some uh, some ST atom that I've provided, and I recently am I don't know some of the, some of the people that have been in a space with me before have have heard this, but I'm buying a 
uh, sprinter van to kind of like rent out on like essentially the outdoor version of Airbnb. And I needed to come up with a down payment for that. And I um, posted up some SP Atom, borrowed some USDC, exported it to my bank account via Cato. And now I essentially have a a loan from myself to myself to cover my down payment. And so there's like things like that that we can do um, and kind of bypass the banks. It's pretty, it's pretty freaking wild if you think about it. Like I still had to go get a loan for the car, but like the down payment part, I have, you know, as long as Adam, you know, remains a, <laughs> remains a, a cryptocurrency, you know, uh, despite Gary's best efforts, um, you know, I'm able to kind of pay that back as I go, or actually it kind of almost pays itself back because my ST Atom is appreciating in value against the USDC that I borrowed. So, well, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, is that the officially the first um, open auto loan via DeFi protocol? I mean, I've, I've never really heard that <laughs> before, but that's, pr- so, that's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, I, I will I, say this. Um, you know, it's interesting. And I see some Luna faces uh, on this, on this space. So maybe you guys will remember this, but, I remember they used to advocate, uh, if you remember like Anchor when it had like 19.5% stable interest for the savings, they used to, uh, and I, I really feel bad for anyone who did this, but there used to be accounts that would say like, hey, there's a carry trade available. The the interest rates on banks are so low, you could take out a personal loan at like 4% interest, put it into Anchor and make 15% difference uh, in your interest over time. Now, obviously, if you did that, you got wrecked. But what's interesting in this environment is that it's flipped. It's now cheaper to borrow money on UMI than it is to borrow money at any bank, which is crazy, but it's one of the things that we do need to take advantage of. And so these are the narratives that have to be out there that DeFi is completely based on demand and it's something that isn't dictated by some central authority like the Fed. And it's really surprising this in this ecosystem that narrative hasn't taken off more. But that's something that we can focus on. I mean, like you said, you were able to borrow money to do a down payment on a car. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I used to. I, I was doing that on Terra. Um, I'm I'm involved in some like residential, like long term rental real estate, and I would do that for, uh, you know, I would kind of float myself, um, float myself alone while I, you know, repaired a. A property that I bought and then sell it and then pay it back rather than like, you know, potentially, uh, you know, having to go to the bank and give them all these paperwork and my firstborn child. And so, you know, it's, it's something that I'm starting to kind of kick up again is, is getting the old, uh, the old leverage machine flowing again. So it's been, it's been, it's been welcome. And like I said, this is probably the first time that I've done it since the crash. Cause I've been, uh, you know, just a little gun shy, but, uh, but yeah, it was a, I had that my atom that I was had unbonding because I was waiting for the you know the neutron launch and then finally I liquid staked it and then decided to to kind of deploy it. But and the and the 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 beauty of it is is that I still have my atom. I have a lower interest loan than if I got the entire thing from my bank because a, a an auto loan nowadays is like you know freaking like eight to twelve percent you know depending on where you're going. Um, and so even though I'm you know borrowing at you know four percent or actually. Yeah, I think it's like 4%. Um, you know, I'll just either slowly pay it down, but it's also being offset by my ST Atom appreciating. So it's pretty pretty neat. No, that's awesome, man. It, that's that's a great... That's like one of those use cases that isn't like the traditional crypto use case, but is ultimately like 
that's what we want to get to is like a real world application. Like leverage staking is awesome, obviously, and doing all these DeFi strategies is cool. But like real world assets is what's going to take DeFi and turn it into like TradFi, essentially, in terms of parity. Yeah, so that actually leads into to one of the next questions that uh, someone had. And I know we're, we're about 10 minutes out, so I'll kind of we'll speed run these last couple. But um, how are the interest rates on UMI borrowing and lending kind of calculated? Because I think sometimes we'll see, you know, like right now, I think um, the borrow rate on Atom is astronomical. It's, you know, almost, um, you know, 28%. So sometimes that's a flash in the pan and it'll go back down to normal. But then other times, you know, it could be like a very steady thing. So right now, it would not be advantageous to borrow Atom to stake ST Atom. Like that's just based on this APR, right? Because it's the, AP, the borrow APR is outweighing the supply APR for something like ST Atom. So how are those calculated? And is there a way to kind of see if this interest rate is more a flash in the pan? I think someone even asked this question on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, and I kind of chimed in. It would be helpful to see kind of like a chart, like is this interest rate steadily increasing over time or is it pretty steady or or what is what is the case? So. Yeah, absolutely. So they're based on supply and demand. And so essentially what you're looking at is there's there's a there's a we call it the kink utilization rate, but it's really like what is the optimal utilization of the pool that gives this this desired rate and then anything that's above that utilization the rate goes up uh and it can go up pretty fast depending on the pool and that's to for safety reasons, right? Like we don't want a pool to be 100% used because then you run risks of you know not being able to withdraw or anything like that. And so really it's just an algorithm that decides, okay, here's an optimal place. If, there's, if people are borrowing more than that, the borrow rate has to go up and it has to go up pretty rapidly in order to incentivize either people to supply uh, more or people to pay off their borrows and to normalize the pool. And so that's why that's behaved that way. I'm looking at the site right now. It looks like someone may have withdrawn some atom and that atom pool has been probably our most you know demanded pool out of there so we're working on some ways to get more atom in there obviously joining az um comes with benefits like that as well um and so that, that that's obviously a huge driving factor for us 28 percent, obviously that's high i think the the optimal rate is 10 percent on atom and so what's going to happen is people are either going to pay back those borrows and that will go down or more people will supply since the supply rate is about 18.6%, which is on par really with uh, what, what you get with um, staking. Well, a little bit short. So that's, that's kind of how that works, man. It's, it's just based on supply and demand. There's no, like, there's no like finagling or anything like that. The only, basically all of the borrow interest goes back to the lenders, which is really cool. Um, the only portion that goes anywhere outside of that is going to our reserves. This will change once we incorporate real yield. We'll probably take some of that reserve uh, in from uh, some of that reserve yield and maybe send it to stakers or whatever the case may be, um, or do a buyback and burn. Still working on how that would work, but that is essentially how it works. Yeah, that would be neat. Um, I think. So Stride does this, correct me if I'm wrong, Riley. Um, like, so when I'm staking, staking the Stride token, when I go to claim my rewards, I actually get a bunch of, you know, assets that have kind of shifted hands on the Stride chain, right? Like as almost, I guess, real yield, I think, think seems to be the, the popular 
phrase these days, but is, is that kind of the same thing? Yeah, if you stake stride, you when you claim your rewards, you get a basket of rewards from all the liquid stake tokens that stride supports. So you get some SD Atoms, some SD Umi, some SD Osmo, yada, yada. Yeah, I think like one of the, uh, another money market I use on the Ethereum side, um, Radiant does something similar where like the, you know, you stake a, you know, a combination of Radiant and Ethereum, uh, you lock it for a specified period of time. And then based on that, you get, uh, based on your time locked, you kind of get like a very kind of specific APY. And then addition to that, you get like, you know, fees of the, the items, the different collateral markets that have kind of transacted they recently launched their 2.0 like i would say maybe like geez maybe two three months ago it's that's a very interesting uh their new tokenomics i think are pretty pretty awesome so definitely implore you guys to kind of explore what 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 they're doing over there because it, it seems seems super beneficial no matter what you're how you're participating on the platform i think there's there's benefits and whatever your strategy is uh to to kind of participate so yeah i can't leak too much but they're one of the inspirations i'll say that okay speaking my language man that that's like <laughs> that's that's my that's my ethereum money market so uh definitely love to see it um i guess i guess it, I, we would be remiss if we didn't mention before we go uh taboo uh i know uh kepler 2.0 recently launched and there's been a lot of um buzz around it uh positive negative uh but uh can we can we have some insights about when taboo damn i saw tank do the, the do the thumbs down i think he's having a tough experience but uh no definitely we we want to launch taboo this month um we're going through the process i i almost don't want to make this joke but i was going to say that if we launched taboo right now it'd behave a lot like kepler 2.0 um so uh i've had a rough experience dude like it's it's been tough for me so yesterday um i was claiming some staking rewards and i bought some kuji on osmosis and so i was like okay well i'm gonna send this to my other account i've got an account with all the kuji that i have i want to just keep it all together and so i go to kepler and i'm like oh shit i got kepler 2.0 like this is gonna be fun i want to try it out see how see how it compares to taboo i'm expecting like you know, like perfect UX, because I, I do have like a huge amount of respect for like the Osmosis team and for the Kepler team that all they kind of work together in a sense. Um, and so I, I I have a lot of respect for them. So I wasn't expecting what I found. And so I go to try to load my account and all of my ledgers won't work. Every time I connect my ledger, it's saying that I can't find your ledger, can't find your ledger. I'm like, OK, well, I do the first one. I have like three ledgers or so. Or I have a bunch of ledgers because I'm crazy but uh, about security, but like neither here nor there. I go to the first one, doesn't work. So I plug in my second one and it doesn't work either. And so now I'm thinking like, damn, did I get that firmware update that Ledger has that let someone steal my seed or something? Like what's going on? And so finally, like I dig through Twitter. I found I found like just like, you know, resetting it up all works. But like that whole UX of just like going through that conversion was tough, man. And then um, and then I finally get in and I want to send my Kuji to the other address. And lo and behold, uh, Kepler 2.0 can't see my Kuji on Osmosis. It can't see my Kuji anywhere, pretty much, except for on Kuji. And so now it's like a whole other ordeal. And so that's kind of what we're trying to avoid with Taboo right now. 
there's little things here and there that like little UX glitches that I want to nail through our internal beta before we release. And so that's the only thing holding us back right now. We're approved by iOS for the app. Uh, we're going to be mobile first. So we're only launching um, mobily on uh, both iOS and Android. And so we just want to work through all the kinks right now. There's the, the UX that we've brought is similar in ways to Kepler 2.0, but um, I'll say different in a lot of ways as well. Like you're not going to see a thousand assets when you log in, like Umi on Atom, Umi on Umi, Umi on Osmosis. You're going to see one Umi, and then you can break that down into the chains if you want to operate with different ones. Um, so that's the type of stuff that we're working on right now. We just don't want to release something and have it, you know, give some bad UX. The whole point of Taboo is to improve the mobile UX. And that's what we want to deliver. Cool. Yeah. My, my I think my biggest gripe. Um with it so far is just the, the load times it just feels very slow moving from you know screen to screen on my um my my desktop so i do i do appreciate the fact that i can see all my assets in one place instead of having to go through chain by chain because that was always kind of very cumbersome to you know unless you were on the actual web page so i'm glad that they've pushed that to the extension um but yeah we'll be i'll be excited to test it out that's for sure um I think we have a lot of, it's funny, uh, once, uh, you know, Leap came to the scene, it, it seems like it kind of, it, it kind of forced everyone else to innovate a little bit. So Kepler's definitely made a lot of strides. You've got Leap, we have, uh, you know, the station wallet, we have, uh, and, and now Taboo. So it'll be, it'll be fun to kind of see, you know, all the new features that get added because everyone's trying to outcompete. The other guy so <laughs> yeah and if i could add one feature that i think everyone's gonna love is our generalized ibc transferring um what we just we we'd had a, a decent breakthrough yesterday we figured out how to programmatically get the canonical like channel for each um each chain or what each denom should be on each um chain and so that's gonna be sick like i i talked to skip protocol they're they're developing an api so that should be coming um for everyone through skip eventually but it's kind of awesome that we were able to figure it out as well and so that's going to be part of the rollout um we're testing it out right now you can basically just say okay i want to take umi from osmosis back to umi or you know stride from kujira to white whale how to do that double hop or anything and it'll just figure it out for you so that's exactly what we want to launch um and i think people are going to be excited about it because a lot of folks have demanded that yeah, that's awesome. And I think I think honestly that's in that's been my biggest thing that I've said is like in order for people to have in order for crypto to have mass adoption, especially in the cosmos, you know, the internet of blockchains or whatever we're calling it now, it's like people don't need to know any of that stuff. Like when I wanted to transfer stuff and I had to go to mint scan and, you know, look at the validator or look at the channels and, you know, type in the right channel and and all that stuff just to like get my stuff from one place to another, like Grandma's not going to do that. So I think it needs to be seamless. It needs, I don't even need to know what's happening, right? I just need to be able to say, hey, send my stars from here to Kujira and it just happened. Like, obviously, there, it's much easier said than done. So it, it'll be excited to see that. No, you're 100% right. And like, that's why I kind of get, I kind of cringe a little bit when people say, like, oh, we're the IBC ecosystem. Cause like the whole argument is IBC is the HTTP of blockchains, right? Well, no one ever says, hey, I'm going to surf the HTTP or I'm going to 
you know, oh, let me open my HTTP browser. Like, that's just such the wrong way to think about it. It's a core technology. It's an awesome technology, but it doesn't matter to the user. They shouldn't even know it exists at a certain point. Maybe they see it here or there, but that's it. And so that's the experience we want to get to, the interchain experience, not the IBC experience, so to say. Awesome. Well, we're at the top of the hour, and and so I don't I don't want to keep uh, if if we want to stick around, we can. But I, I guess I'll just throw it to you guys for like a last word. So I guess we'll start with you, Riley, if you have anything. Uh, not much to add. Uh, I think Brandon, that last quote of yours, I'm gonna I'm gonna be repeating that one in future Twitter Spaces. Cool. Uh, Waz, Brandon. Oh, you you know me. I'm always plugging OHO. Go go check out OHO. Uh, we we just deployed our, our smart contract on Juno yesterday. Um, our awesome response from the Juno community recently, and uh, we've been working night and day to get our oracles set up. So, uh, yeah, uh, hit us up, Brandon. How about you, man? Yeah, um, definitely follow along for all of our projects. Obviously, follow Riley and Stride. They're doing a lot of great work, and I I see us interfacing with them so much more in the future. They're going to be a huge part of everything that we build. Um, but really, just stay tuned for LS DeFi Summer. Like everyone talked about, co- like DeFi Summer um, from the past. Uh, LS DeFi Summer is what's coming, and Cosmos is primed for it. Oho will be to LS DeFi Summer what Chainlink was to DeFi Summer. We think Umi is going to be the Ave of it. We think Stride is obviously going to be the Lido of it. Cosmos is primed to take over this next cycle through LS DeFi, and we need to embrace it. And that's exactly what Umi's strategy is. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your guys' time. Uh, it was it was great catching up with you and and sharing uh, some of the questions that that people had. And we'll be looking forward to uh, your guys' updates. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was Cosmos Spaces hosting a AMA with Yumi, recorded on Wednesday, June seventh, two thousand twenty-three. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Now, if you want to keep listening, head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support now. Nice. I'm going to tell you something. When the world starts to get really bad and these mugs out here robbing, you're going to love digital currency. All these motherfuckers, they be running and gunning And I'm all like, I'm sitting back just having fun in the sun And I'm like, one out of a hundred, I'm just building up on it To sum up everything we built her in the last hundred upsets You're getting salty, feeling faulty, you ain't no man I keep Robo here, grinning it, it, throwing up anarchy Smoking toilet trees, spitting philosophies Look at the dossier, we rack like geography There's layers to this shit, like it's sedimentary All these little onion peels getting torn off and buried Imagine the smell, that shit is a vital experience without knowing how you will not survive, period. Uh, <laughs> he's a fucking trip, man. Jimmy, if you Jimmy, if you listen to this, right, you're getting absolutely fucking ripped to death, like on a spaces of a life, you little troglodyte bastard. I hope you fucking listen, I hope you come to my house soon. I swear to God, man, I've got fucking loads of weapons and my dogs, man. You just a little rat, man, one. Fuck off, man. Do one. Fuck off. Harmony. No, no, the wonder you're looking for a fucking job. You fucking idiot. You've just been fucking up with this. Fuck off. <laughs>
try to change the course of the portion philosophy I'm just here for the corporation sponsored lobotomy Feels like I won the lottery, like I'm ghosting this pottery Chill, Demi, boy, the shit's supposed to be haunting If it wasn't, ain't no puzzle, you would try to train your muscle Air dropping like a fatal hustle, but the pay is bustin' Think of all the loss of crew, just to pick up off the truth Because I'm not figured, all those sub would make up for something I guess it just goes to show, the fuck do I know? At least it's quiet over here, I like my little silo It's better than watching them fight over how to divide my time between sitting at the desk and the ride home Devs at Mickey D's, they leeching off that Wi-Fi Zapdos and Moldy shipping more than five guys Console open, waiting for the kamikaze When the flash phones bang, they're feeling like paparazzi Snapshot motherfuckers We got layers, meteora jawbreaker We cracking a lot of craters We rapping a lot of pay dirt Maxing out relators Imagine the smell Five dollar wrench to your dark Vader it's, it's really funny uh, to us at Binance that everyone here is talking about uh, blockchain attack. We know who all the validators are, we know, we know where they live, and we're, and we're going to their house with a wrench, a big wrench, and we will attack them with the wrench, and then we will take their validator home physically and put it in a truck and drive it to China. Right, so this is an extension of the, the activities you performed on, on BTC, right? Uh, funding and creating these massive uh, Bitcoin mines, putting them in caves, putting them in, in uh, factories that were abandoned in the past, and also using electromagnetic pulse bombs to detonate uh, the USA and the other country mines, right? So you're now applying this strategy to, to Lunk uh, in order to take over the chain, is that correct? Uh, it's more simple. There's no uh, EMP bomb, it's just a van of men in uh, Balaclava and they have wrench and they're taking the physical validators from people's houses. They are usually very fat and they're usually uh, in the shower with, you know, with trying to wash uh, their mice uh, droppings off their uh, clothes. So it's very simple. We just walk in and we take it. But if there is someone who is sitting at the computer or sleeping at the computer, we, uh, we hit them with the wrench really, really hard. And then they say, stop. Don't do that again. And we say, that's okay. Just mm -hmm. give us your validator note. And then they give it to us and we drive it to China. Ten spaces.